Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. So we are recording um, Sherry Lewis, Bluebells Forever, with four wonderful gentlemen, some that I worked with in Hello Hollywood, Hello, and we've been trying to figure out what years, and I think I always assume I work with all of you, even though the show ran 11 years, I was there one year, magically, we all did the show together, <laughs> and then you do the reunions, we're like, well, maybe we did, um, and so I have Michael Shepard, Narvel McGee, Bill Strickland, and we have Marty Lewis on the phone, on the Zoom, we, we do what we can with technology. <laughs> so I wanted to introduce these, these gentlemen and have them one at a time just say a little bit, just a little, like how you grew up dancing, like how you ended up in these biggest shows in the world, a Don Arden Bluebell show. Michael, do you want to go first? No, not really, but okay, I shall. <laughs> I shall. Um, <laughs> well, I was born and raised in Dayton, Ohio. I'm from the Ohio, from the Midwest, and um, got a scholarship at Ailey's, um, Alvin Ailey, for those who don't know, um, in New York in 1980. Was there for a while, came back to Dayton, moved to L.A., I'm, and I'm really summing everything up in short story. Moved to L.A., um, followed my dancing director, actually, Miss Sine Richardson, and um, I got a show in South Africa. But before I got to show in South Africa, I did, I was an extra in the movie Night Shift for Henry Winkler and Michael Keaton. And what? a singer, Arthur Walker, said they were having auditions for South Africa. So I ended up auditioning. But another young lady from Inner City Culture Center said, you should go up and audition for Hello Hollywood, hello. I was like, Hello Hollywood who? What? Where? <laughs> up in Reno. I went up there. And pretty much everybody had the same story. Like the first time I went up there, I didn't get it. There wasn't enough um, space. You know, they already, had all the, the, they already had the whole Black Lion cast. And so I left and I took the job to South Africa. And when I came back, I got into the show uh, and they hired myself with Carl Hudson, I oh, think. Yeah. I think Narvel, you and Fred came. Narvel, did you and Fred come together? Well, I came with DS October of 84. Okay, so after me, I think Fred came immediately after me and Carl. Right. And everything. Exactly. So, yeah. So, um, and th that was like 19, that was the end of 82 into 83. And um, I was the first um, guy to sign up for the 83 contract. And as I say, the rest is history. I stayed there for four years. I was there from 83 to 87. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, me in a nutshell. That's just story in a nutshell. <laughs> Who wants to go with their nutshell next? Bill? Sure. Uh, although I think since Marty was there at the beginning and at the end, it might be good to have him start off. Yeah, yeah. but Marty, would you share like what it was you know, beginning to the end, opening and closing? Uh, to make a long story short, uh, my training was in LA and New York. And it was really funny when I went to Las Vegas, I also went to university and took gas and drama. And I happened to get, go to Backstage Gas Studio where I met Winston and Rich Rizzo. I started dancing there. And at that time, there was not many black male dancers in the dance studio at all. Quite a few black females. And um, when I started dancing there, when work was coming in for black male dancers and by me being there working with Richard Rizzo and Winston, I got a chance to do a lot of job opportunities and, TV and television because of them. And so when they got the opportunity to choreograph Hollow Hollywood, they were getting ready to do the auditions. You know, uh, Winston asked me, he said, are you gonna do the audition? I said, sure. So when I went to do the audition, I auditioned in Vegas. And at that time, it was, I mean, there were so many boys, I can't even believe it. It went on and on and on. And I got a chance to meet Don Orton. And so at that time, I got the job. 
And I started working with Winston. But Winston started choreographing Hollow Hollywood. We went to Reno early. We were in a hotel room, like a box, uh, loosely, which the Bluebells did. We had curtains tied to our arms to do Bluebells. And uh, it was just amazing how all this stuff came together, you know, and gave me the opportunity to do the show and watch, you know, the auditions, which were really interesting auditions because I never wore G string. I didn't even know what the G string was. <laughs> and and Orton said to all the guys, he said, turn around. And we went, what? And he wanted to see, you know, what your body looked like. And I was like, this is very, very interesting. But that's basically some of the ideas, you know, I went through for being a part of Hollow Hollywood. That's awesome. Thank you, Marty. Um, Bill, do you want to go? Uh, sure. Um... I was fortunate enough to be there from in the show from 1980 uh, to 1983. <clears throat> um, I started dancing in college, uh, although I never thought that anyone that I ever would actually get to do it professionally. It was my passion. I ended up going to a summer symposium at this school, dance school uh, in San Diego, stage seven, and they had one of the things that they had touted was that they'd recently had a crop of their students be hired for this new show that was opening, Hello Hollywood, Hello. So I'd heard of a number of their students there. And I think the first dance captain for um, the black men's line, Michael, I think is Michael White was from their school. So that was the first time I had ever even thought of, oh, there are shows in Las Vegas. I didn't know that. So you know, we would sort of caravan to the various different auditions. And one time they had arranged for a number of private auditions for our group. And so I got to audition for the Lido, Hallelujah Hollywood, so on, so on, so on and so forth. But of course, at that time, Hallelujah Hollywood only had eight black women, but the black men were in, in Reno. Um, and it, it was very interesting because I, when I matched myself with the other guys who were on the stage, who were all beautiful, who all had the right clothes. I mean, they just looked stunning. And I, but I kind of was, was like, I'm dancing their pants off, you know, but I wasn't getting cast. And I remember Rocky, I think his name is like Rocky Fagundis or something at the Lido, sort of sneering at me and saying, you need to, you know, brush up on your ballet. And I thought I did that Tarantella as well as everyone else there. So there was initially some, some problems there. The second time I auditioned in Vegas, someone pulled me aside. I don't know who this person was. Where they, and they said, you know why you're getting cut? And I said, no. He said, because at that time, there were no Black men dancing in Vegas unless you were a headliner. Yeah. And so, so that shifted my whole perspective. So from then on, whether it was in Vegas or, per, you know, my career afterwards, I made sure that whatever audition I went to, I was never placed by another black dancer, particularly if they were taller, because I always needed to pop. Yeah. So, at, you know, after my feelings were hurt for about five minutes, I kind of thought, okay, so how do I navigate in this? Um, I auditioned in Reno twice. Um, didn't get it. And then the last time there was a audition, it was like one week of auditions in Vegas. And I made it through all four days until Thursday. And then was sort of like, okay, this is the group. You four are going to the new show in, uh, for Jubilee. And you four are going to replace the guys we're bringing from Reno to Jubilee. And I, I remember Jillian calling the four of us uh, down to the front of the stage and her looking at me with, not with joy, but she looked at me and she goes, before you join us in August, I want you to practice smiling. You've got a very long face. Oh. And I just thought, ooh, I just quit my job, you know, in San Francisco. And now I'm finding out the person who, who I'll be working for 
doesn't even like me. So, so that was my entry into, into this. But, you know, once I got there, it just took like about, it was my first show. Um, and after it took me about a month or two to realize, okay, I deserve, you know, I merit being here. Mm. And I think that's the, the first threshold of like, oh yeah, I do know what I'm doing and I am good stead and I'm honored to be with, you know, uh, with mm. my peers. It all just took off from there. It all just took off from there. And um, I was fortunate that our captain Coco um, was there and he was a dancer who was about 18 to 20 years older than I was. But to hear his experiences um, and have him share his wisdom, even though it was always, he was like a grandmother, fussy grandmother. And he would read you from amazing grace to a floating opportunity. That was his, and that was his, that was his phrase. And, um, and Marty, do you remember him saying, um, you know, you make my ass when I take a dip of snuff, uh, which, which, you I know, remember, I, remember that. I remember that. And, and it's sort of like at the time I kind of thought, what are you talking about? But it makes so much sense. So, and he was the one who shared something with me that helped me so much about five years, five years later, one day he was reading the row because the kid, you know, the younger guys were going off of how, you know, now that they were in a show, their careers were going to take off. They'd be on Broadway soon. And while he was putting on his makeup without missing a beat, he said something like getting on to Broadway has nothing to do with talent. It's if you fit the costume or not. And I remember turning to him and saying, that can't be right. And then how dare you step on these people's dreams? But five years later, when I was called in to try on costumes for a show I had auditioned for six months earlier, that popped into my mind. I made sure that the hat that didn't fit, fit so that I, that led to me getting onto uh, tour 42nd Street. That was, you know, those two, those two shows were my two favorite experiences in life. So I can honestly say I got to live my dream, one with being in um, Hello Hollywood, and then also being able to take part in 42nd Street. But I would not have gotten that second part if I had not paid attention to some of the wisdom that had been passed down. Yeah. Oh, this is now, Sherry, two things, two things I want to hit up on with Bill is that when me and um, Carl Hudson came into the show, we actually replaced Bill oh, and Coco. Coco. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's And it's wild. funny that you get in the costume because, because I would fit Coco's costume and no, I was, I was going into Bill's costume, believe it or not. Um, Carl was like an inch taller than me. I'm six feet. He was like six one, maybe six two, but he would go into Coco's. But then I think Coco's finale fit me better. So I would wear I would wear Coco's finale and he would wear Bill. It was real straight. I don't know. But costumes, of course, play a big part. Costumes play a part. Yeah. But um Bill, I want to something you said real fast before we get to Norvell's introduction. I didn't know, because I'm learning some stuff too now. Listen to you guys. There were the black women at Jubilee first before black guys? No, there's a show in Vegas, Hallelujah Hollywood. Jubilee okay. replaced that show. Right. Okay. They had the, the line of black girls with no guys. Correct. I did not know that. Okay. Right. right. We'll come right. back to that. Okay. I have some questions yeah. about that too. Because it is it's very interesting that it's one or the other. And and I think Jubilee was the only time that with both male and female. But let's okay. get to Narvel's in, introduction. But, you know, I, I, I have to say, listening to this, you know, obviously I, I'm hearing things today for the first time that I've never heard. And uh, I mean, it makes me proud, you know, uh, 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 you know part of this lineage of, of, of Black boys and, uh, you know, hello, hello, Hollywood, hello, the stories of how one replaced the other and this and that and, mm -hmm. Coco and what, you know, Coco being... 20 years older than Bill, you know, imagine what he had gone through back in the day. I mean, right. it's, you know, it's very cliche, but yes, a book could be written on this quite easily, quite, mm -hmm. you know, the experiences. Um, I remember when I, as, as I told you before, that I went to UC Irvine between 70, 
in 82, and 82 is when I graduated. Um, I remember sometime in 1980, um, I met a dancer from, from Vegas who was in Freedom Roy. And he was a black, he was a black dancer. And, um, and I remember talking to him about working on the strip. And I mean, I was just, I was sold. I just knew I wanted to be that Vegas showboy. That's what I wanted to do. And he hinted, you know, to me about the height requirements that they had in Vegas. And one thing that he did not mention to me was about the, the whole black white ratio, you know, where if there was a black dancer, black replaced black, white replaced white. It, you know, a white boy didn't go in the black line and a black boy didn't go into the white line. And I didn't really understand that until I, you know, first auditioned for Hello Hollywood in November of 1981. But as I saw it, and, you know, looking back on it, you know, years and years ago, it's the way that things were back then. And um, I don't know good thing to say that or if it's not a good thing to say that you know that we just looked at it I mean I remember the summer of 1983 going to audition for uh I think it was the Moulin Rouge the Moulin Rouge in, in in here in Vegas which was at the Las Vegas Hilton at the time and I auditioned and I made it to the end and then they informed me, well, we don't have a spot from you because neither one of our two black boys is leaving. And I think the two black boys at the time were Tyrone Junio, is that, I think that's how we pronounce his last name. I know you know him, Michael. And I think Jerry James was the other black boy. Mm -hmm. And they said, neither one of the two black boys are leaving. And I accepted that. Whereas now you would say, what did you just say to me? You know? <laughs> <laughs> different thing um and they said oh but we have a skating show down off of fremont street do you know how to ice skate if you don't we'll teach you how to ice skate and we'll put you in that and i had an incident falling on ice before so i i, I declined that and said mm, no nah, I, I that but anyway yes getting into hello hollywood the black line of boys um once I was in that show, first of all, I was forever grateful just to get into it because of the height requirement and, you know, and, and making it in. Um, but I felt special with the, as we were, we were, we were toted as the Ebony boys, you know, we had our own dressing room. We had our own dressers. I guess we did have some of the hotter numbers in the show yes. wave and face and this and that. So I felt like we were, we were kind of a speciality, to tell you the truth. Uh, I did. I think we were definitely featured. Features. Feel like we were segregated and we were looked down upon. I look. I thought we were looked up upon, to tell you the truth. Right. And this is just that's the way that it was in Vegas at the time, you know. But um, yes, I had a private audition in '81. I, I, you know, I was told I had to come back for a cattle call in February of 82, which I did with Michael. Uh, Michael and I had already met in November of 81 for an audition for the TV series Fame for Deborah Allen. That's how we first met each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'd meet each other again at this audition for Hello Hollywood, which we don't make. And then we end up in the same show in, in Sun City in South Africa that summer of 1982 through 1983. He comes back, we come back from that, and he ends up in Hello Hollywood. I go and do a couple of other things. And then a year later, I end up in Hello Hollywood. And that's where I was for the, you know, for two years, October 84 to October of 86. Mm -hmm. so. Wow. That's, I just like, like, we don't hear each other's stories. And even now, you guys have been friends for so long. Like, oh, I'm hearing things I haven't heard. Because Correct. in the moment, this is just how things are, or we don't know a question, or you're just so happy to be in it. Um, I started, I wanted, I reached out to Michael to do an interview a while ago. We just never coordinated. Then I reached out again because I wanted to do a feature on Cabby Mitchell because I've worked with Cabby. We, I thought we were in Hello Hollywood at the same time. Yeah, we good morning. Oh, I but he, add a I, I want to add something to what Norville said. Okay. Oh, can I? Yeah, yeah. Hold on, Marty. Go ahead, Sherry. Oh, he, he, he wasn't commenting about what our on, on what, Go ahead. Yeah, sure. 
Okay, I'm gonna make it real short. Uh, Norvell mentioned about the segregation. Uh, during when we first started rehearsing the show in Reno here, uh, there was a couple of problems that did come up, and the reason I want to mention them because it was it was kind of strange. Uh, the separation of the dressing room. Okay. Was one. Number two was Don Orton used to call the black dancer boy, which is very offended to a lot of black males. And he came up a couple of times on stage, and then I thought to myself, was he being prejudiced, or is this just a common word for him? For speaking. And, uh, but that was a big, big issue with Don Arden, you know, with the black guys, calling him a boy. Mm. Okay, boys, I was on stage. Mm. And so yeah, some of the black male dancers did have problems with that. I just wanted to add that in there. Okay, all right. Well, but, yeah, it's yeah. so interesting, because we were Bluebell girls and, and Lido boys, like all of us were like boys eternally and- youthful, but it also, like I wondered about that word because, um, Pete Menifee was, I think it was, oh my gosh, Ann Mark, somebody was saying, well, don't call them showboys, showgirls, or kids. Like, these are adults. These are professionals. And so, like, even just the words that, like, now are like, huh. Because <laughs> I want to, okay, I had three different ways. One other thing I want to go back to Cabby, because I know Cabby from Seattle. We've done some shows up here. Made me laugh every time when I wasn't supposed to laugh on stage. But Cabby was the first principal, or the first Black dancer at Pacific Northwest Ballet, the first Black principal. So he passed in 2017. His memorial was the um, Paramount, which is like the biggest theater in Seattle. People came from all over because he, like he changed uh, dance to Seattle. He started a foundation school in Tacoma for kids who, because dance kind of is, you know, it's kind of an elite kind of thing for a lot of people to afford to dance. So uh, Cabby's heart, and I, and I got to know him after, but I just love that he was celebrated. So then I realized he also did cabaret. He was a ballet. Principal, and he did he did like these big Hello Hollywood shows. So I just think that when you hear that, and you go, wait a minute, why did that take so long? And the Lido now they have four black boys in the show, and the show's closing, which we're celebrating. And then you go, well, why did this take so long? So I think you know when they and he uh, Christopher even brought up we had you know uh, Barack Obama, and like wow, that's wonderful. And then you go, but that feels so weird that it took so long. And that now we look back at it and go, yes, that's history, but what the heck before this that was not a question that was a weird random thing but i did want to i have your episode coming out right next to the one um in paris and when christopher talked about being the one he said the token and he goes do you understand that in a saying in america I'll go oh yes <laughs> i understand that word but he said when there was another guy that looked like him on stage they got giddy i mean they're like kids they like look at each other on stage and just have like Oh my gosh. And then when there's four, they started to feel different than feeling the other. And even though they're happy to be in the show, they were saying how joyful it was to be on stage and be in the dressing room together. And so I have a question about the dressing room for you guys, because would it could be totally different answers, like to be together in the dressing room where you have this brotherhood, you get each other, or would it have been different if you guys were all the boys, men, gentlemen, if it was not like that? If it was more prefer, like everybody to, to be together, and that's one of the questions I want to ask the Lido boys: Were they separated in the at the Lido? No, there's there was only no. one or two, and they're oh, like wait, yeah, for Marty is a different answer. I know now that they the one was a principal, so he had his own dressing room. So it's not been till recently, and they are kind of spread out just the way their dressing rooms are. So Marty, what is your answer on that one? Go ahead, Marty. Hello. Go ahead. Go ahead, Marty. Oh, I lost everybody. Can you, can you hear us? Hello? Uh, can you <laughs> hear us? Hello? Okay, go ahead, Marty. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. When I went to Paris to do the Lido, there, the uh, black guys were treated, I mean, they were in the line. There was no separation at all in anything mm. during that show. Mm. None. That's interesting. Yeah, Michael, I, well, you say, I want to hear more what you were starting to say. Yeah, because, I, well, that's interesting because I never, while we was in the room, I honestly, honestly never, ever thought 
about segregation. And only because we've been talking about it recently, it's like, oh, wow, we were putting in a separate room. <laughs> it was yeah. just... <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, well, the, the nudes were in a separate room. We don't want to put the nudes with the covered girls because we were also more. Scandalous. I just didn't think about that at that time. At that time, I just never thought about that because it was like, hey, I'm in the show. It was my first show in America, my first professional production show in America. So it was like throughout all the excitement, I never, um, I never thought differently, but. Um, May I go back on one thing on Cabby? Yeah, please. Okay, so I had the pleasure of being Cabby's roommate. Well, he ended up moving in with me and Fred Booth. And so it was a wonderful thing. There's two things I have to say about Cabby. One, the three of us, I was like the jazz teacher, you know, up in Reno. I was one of the few from Hello Hollywood. Um, Fred talked tap. And then Cabby taught ballet. So we had the three of us living together and oh. we were a rock, just so much fun. But now on the professional side of Cabby with Hello Hollywood, after they had asked him and everything, because we're all in the dressing room and he made the announcement, we were like, okay, right on, right on, right on. But when we get to the apartment, we just looked at each other and we're like, wow. You know what this means? You're actually going to pot of the, into pot of cease in this right. space. That was huge. That was like, because not only they just don't see, I was, I um, replaced Tim Searcy as far as the black center heat wave. They don't see us out there doing funk and, you know, working it out. They're going to see the professional side, the technical side of a black man that knows his craft. Oh, Not just out there just, you know, swinging and doing heat wave. But so I said, Cabby, man, you you know what this means. He go, well, listen, I'm going to go here and do what I do. This is what I do. I said, good. Now everybody can see what you do and who you're about and what you're about. That was, that was, right. that was a made, that was a huge thing. And I'm so glad that I was in the show when that happened. I actually witnessed him, but I was being the wings and I just watch him. I would just uh -huh. watch him out there. Yeah, cause I was a man. There's one thing to know him in the show and to know he talked, but to actually see Cabby. Um, and matter of fact, I was in a hotel room at the MGM and I opened up one of those hard books they got while I was show entertainment. I saw a picture of Cabby and a Russian split leap from the Pacific Northwest Ballet. The white tights? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, that's one of the pictures I put on his memoriam. So yeah. it's, I mean, I, I used for the memorial at the reunion, but um, that was interesting. And me and him would sit down and talk about a lot. He was very interested, very intelligent, but we yeah. talked about a lot of stuff. And um, sure, I didn't get a chance to see his, his going away, his celebration, but I want to remember Cabby the way I remembered him, as fun, loving, crazy as all get out. Yep. And just being, just knowing his craft, you know, that's what I want to say about Cabby. Oh, well, because Pot of Cease, that is the one, I think that's like the pen, like everyone wanted to be that. And yeah, mm -hmm. that was the, to see the, the training and the technique. That is interesting of that assumption because Heat Wave and then Space Disco, I got to be on the Living Curtain and that was like just the fun <laughs> and the fun. But to show both sides of that is really, really important that you guys are equally trained dancers as everybody else in the show instead of assumption that this is the funky part. And this is the ballet. Right. Wow. But I'm sure, baby, when that curtain came up and they were sitting out there and Cabby walked out there, I sh I'm sure all faces were like, what? what is going on? And baby, he turned it. Really? And when I say he turned it, he turned it. And, it, and it, it, was, it, was, it was like seeing your big brother do something. Like, wow. I was just in awe. And when he came off stage again, I just looked at him and just started smiling. I was like, "Oh!" <laughs> and so I was boy, there. So I was like, "Boy, you worked that out!" Oh my God, you worked that out, Cabby. And he did it. He did it a couple of times, a few times. Yeah, he did it a few times. Because then I wonder, like, when it seems shocking to people, and then after a while, it looks normal because so I'm like, "Oh, I didn't even know why this." And maybe you know, maybe like representations, and then all of a sudden, it seems normal to people where it feels like it's going to be such a you know, 
overturn everything and then people actually are capable but if you never see it or people think oh the audience won't accept that or whatever and then they see it and they're fine it's like maybe we do more of this um i'm just uh any i don't know if you want to okay before so i know move how, on from that, that Don Arden, oh yeah sorry Bill, go ahead. before we move on from that I, I i didn't get to see cabbie and this is the first time i'm ever hearing that a black dancer got to do potassis that's remarkable oh. but I got to see when one of the guy who joined, one of the guys that joined with me, Dexter DeVoe went on as one of the lead singers. He took over Michael Erdley's spot. And and that was, you know. Is that what Tim Searcy ended up doing? Well, Tim Searcy, well, not only Old Man River, but you know, um, one, oh, okay, kiss, okay. one girl to say the boy. That, oh, that, oh, I mean, he did. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, he did all those, and he, and he had a striking. He had a striking face, strike, and and he also turned it out. So there were l- little bits of those breaking down yeah. what normally had been, just like when, you know, changing the, not the wild mm-hmm. one, but who's the one? Saji started off. Oh, as Saji, yeah. The Acid, 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 acid queen, queen, there's disco queens, yeah. they're different. Yeah. Well, there was wild one and then the acid queen. Yeah. But, but there were, you know, to see a few things where they started to break down the lines. And, you know, of course it broke my heart to see uh, Center Heatwave go to members of the other community because we only had that one feature spot as yeah. far as dancers, but still. I saw the mm. video because it's from 1980. It's when the fart furcos came in, and I went, "Wait a minute!" Because that was the center was a who was it originally, or well, was it, it different? It started off with Saji. Go ahead, Marty. Marty, go ahead. Uh, oh, sorry. Originally, yeah. it was Saji. Saji had uh, two books of boys. He had Center Heatwave, and he had Acid Queen. Mm. I did, I did both of his spots because he was out for whatever reason. Uh, sometimes, and so I did Center Heatwave and Disco Queen, and mm, nice. it was just an honor to even be able to swing those two parts. Nice. Because, number one, when I did Ask the Queen, I freaked out the first time I did it, the look on the audience's face, as you come out, because they're going, where was this black girl? Right. So, you know, it was like, gorgeous. And all of a sudden, the black girl appears. So it was really <laughs> <laughs> Where's she come from? Where's she come from? <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. It was like, where was she at? <laughs> and, and Cherry. Wow, that's interesting. And Bill, I didn't know that. That's that. We're we're all yeah. still learning. We're still learning about yeah, yeah, Hollywood. Yeah. Sherry. Ricardo, Ricardo was the first one who did Old Man River. I don't know if you got a chance to meet him, but he was one of the uh, first boy dancers who was able to say Old Man River in the parade. Oh, wow. Because it was high. That was a tenor. That was high. Yeah. Sherry, before we go on, I wanted to also get back to the dressing room thing. The one thing that when I got to that room and saw that we were all in the same dressing room, I was a little bit horrified. I kind of, I remember thinking, I'm happy to be here, but what is this about? And then also, you know, quite frankly, I hadn't spent that much time with other African-American men, passionate, all with very strong personalities. So I just kind of thought, I don't know if I'll last in this room. It turned out to be the best family you could imagine. It was well, just. I know, like I was in the tall nude line. The bluebells were on the other side of the showers and the bathroom. So unless you're dancing, you don't even know who they are. Like that you work in the same show and like never see them. And then the singers were on the other side. And then you guys, I think, were you, the principals were. I don't know because I remember like the I know the girls the, the wanted to go to your dressing room because they said the black boys dressing room was way more fun, and so I don't know, but I feel like we oh, all kind really of were. It was. It was, yeah. But I also think if you've got that camaraderie, oh, but we kind of only bonded with because of your if you're doing the same track, you kind of dance 
you are in the dressing room with the people who do your, like I was group B. So I sat with B. So if I wanted to know C, I had to go around the corner. So you kind of just stay with the people you dance with. So it's hard to, unless you go do outside things. Like I remember taking dance class. One of my favorite things were the classes in between. I think you guys are still doing them. Between the two shows, you could have a choice of four different classes. Like I'm going to take African tap. And that stage was so big that you could have four classes going with music. And that's where I feel like unless you made an effort to get outside of your dressing room and your rehearsals that were with your own choreography, it was hard to know who else was in that show. And because we, uh, our line did space disco with you guys, I, I got to partner with Yuri, sort of taking Yuri's class. I was like, oh, I get to actually dance with the black boys for this part. So I know I never danced with any of the white boys in the show in my line. Oh, okay. So that's, that's what's interesting. And then the, hmm. the other group would only do, if they were doing night and day or whatever, you kind of only, unless you're choreographed that way and your dressing rooms were by each other, you had to make an effort to get to know anybody hmm. outside of your, your group. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we were like our own department. Bill too. Like if it's like, oh gosh, what is this contract going to be like getting thrown in there and then it being a really great experience. It was fantastic. And the number, the way we supported each other outside of the show as well. And then once Jackie and her mom, um, all of a sudden her name just flew out of my mind. Marion. Marion joined the show. I mean, we were so well taken care of. We were so well taken care of. And like whenever Sammy Davis Jr. came into town, there was, he would do stuff for people in the show, but there was always something for the black male dancers as well. Really? Oh yeah. Um, oh. And, and, and so there were so many, it was such a great experience for me. I don't, oh. I'm still now getting choked up. So. Yeah. Wow. So Sherry, um, there, there's, there's one thing I'm gonna, I'm gonna comment on about the, um, about the, the whole black and white situation. And I don't think any of these guys was in the show at the time. Marty, I know you had came back, but I don't I don't think you, you, if anybody, you were there, Marty, if anybody, you were there, but it was Taurus when they started bringing in the headliners. So yeah. I'm speaking about, I'm speaking about the McGuire sisters mm. when they came into the show. <laughs> were you there when the McGuire, Okay, duh, Marty. Of course you were there with the most. Okay, of course you were. <laughs> the whole show. Right, right. Okay, so I need to get that picture from you too, by the way. But wait, so okay, right. so wait. So the only problem that I had with it, and of course, you know, my big mouth, because I like to, if something's not right, I feel like I should speak up about it, you know, mm -hmm. and whether sometimes you may have backup or sometimes you don't have backup or sometimes people that back you up. They don't want to say nothing. But I went for it and I went to Jillian and Adrian in the office and we closed the door and I had a concern because they were rechanging, they were revamping the opening. Hello, beautiful. Now that's class, all that. So basically they had the McGuire sisters come out the plane or ride in the little, remember the automobile in San Francisco? Right, right, right. Okay, so Marty, I don't know if you know what I'm getting at. They have them. They have them come out, and instead of the black boys, how we presented the um, the principal, which was Liz or Leslie, right. um, they had us carrying the bags. The black boys carrying the McGuire yes, sisters' yes, bags. Yes, yes, Marty, yes, were you there for that? Yes, I was. I, was I wasn't having none of that. <laughs> and I, I said, "Wait a minute. Do you remember that?" Okay. About that same situation. And yes, it was an issue. It was an issue. And and I loved it because they handled it. They came back out there and they said, Well, we're gonna yeah. we have to fix redo this. And I I felt some kind of way. I mean, I wasn't mad or angry, but I was it was embarrassing. And I said, I said, now I don't know what the black boys are down there in Jubilee are doing, but when I saw that show, you know, I know they're 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 being waiters and stuff like that. I remember there was a scene, there were waiters or something. I don't know. Oh, the Titanic? I, said, but, Titanic. I think that's it. I, and, 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 and the thing, I can't, I can't remember, but I said, Jillian, I said, what we kind of don't want to do is go back. We want to move forward with the show. And I think 
that when the audience come and see us carrying luggage, that has set us back, you know, quite a ways. I have family and friends coming to this show. And I just broke it down to them. I said, I would be so embarrassed and humiliated. I'm carrying luggage. All the black boys are carrying luggage and the white boys are dancing. I said, that's not fair. And they went and they revamped it. Oh. And, 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 and but, but, wait, but how they did that, how they did that was, we wasn't in that part at all, pretty much. If I remember, Marty, right. We, would, we didn't come back out until the, 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 the last half of, or the, um, the, next, the next number. So we were just basically out of it, which was fine with me. Right. Mm-hmm. I was fine with, you know. So anyway, that was, that was the only time that I had an issue as far as, you know, the whole black and white situation. But they, um, Jillian was awesome. Her and Adrian, they worked it out for it because they understood. Yeah. They understood. Okay. Yeah, because sometimes you bring it up. Oh, Marty, was Marty saying something? Yes, uh, I want to add on to Michael. When they did the Titanic, there was the black guys were the waiters. Right. And then they used the black girls as like waitresses type situation. It was it was strange. Yeah, that's that's what I remember. And I, and I love and I love Jubilee. But that was it, when I saw the when I saw the show. I honestly didn't really think nothing about it. Only until this situation came up, I was like. Wait a minute. And down in Jubilee, they're, they're, they're waiters. I said, I'm not understanding what's happening. So we're moving back. We want to move yeah. forward, Jillian. Yeah. We need to go forward with the with the show, you know. Right. You, I want you guys to hear Christopher's interview too, because we talk about lack of imagination because it's like, well, this is what it's been. And so when you approach it, a lot of times management is like, oh, and then like, how about if we see it this way? Sometimes you need like someone to say, reimagine instead of like. They don't even, people don't even know to look at it different. And so when you bring it up and like, oh yeah, that of course. So I think that there's, there's grace in that. And I think when it's tricky and also when you've got all performers that we have that in common, but they're, I'm just, it's so interesting to look back with different eyes. And I know that Hallelujah Hollywood, was that the first show on the strip that had uh, black, is it even people of color? Because I don't think it's not even, you didn't see Hispanic, you didn't see Asian. I think it was very white. But when Hallelujah Hollywood came, and I don't know if that was a Don Arden choice, and Hallelujah Hello Hollywood and Jubilee, if this was Don's choice to do this, because I'm really curious if people know where he's coming from with that, if it was to make more opportunity to add diversity. I'm just so curious because we know a lot about the awful parts of Don Arden. Because people, especially Marty, you might know that going through the creation of a show. Um, but also, I'm, re- I'm just curious if anyone knows of how that came about and if other shows followed suit in Vegas, if more shows started to have more opportunities. If you guys went on and did more shows, did it feel like there was much to choose from or to go for? As the years go on, you know, we move from the 80s to 90s or the thing kind of gets stalled. It was my impression that Don Arden really pushed the envelope uh, because at the end of the 70s, and this is just my opinion on this, the, that world was moving from uh, maybe mafia run to more corporation yeah. run. And there was a little bit, there was a little bit more, it was a little easier to push that envelope. But as far as I know, that was the first time that there was a group of black women on the strip, mm-hmm. you know, for that period. And, and that, that was only, you know, but like I said, before I started auditioning for those shows or, you know, that was not in my, um, my sight at all. But going forward, you know, for many years, even after leaving Reno, often I was the only black person in a show. Because usually if we're going to go for non-traditional casting, we'll do one. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we're diverse. And then, and yeah. then. Sometimes they might have an Asian woman. Um, and unless you were doing a show like Sophisticated Ladies and, or, you, you know, mm-hmm. another things where it was specifically, you know, for black right. men, for, you know, white men, so on and so forth. Um, I, I think it's a lot, I think that it's a lot different now, but you know, I'm not the one sitting behind the, the table saying, okay, this is what we want our show to look like. Um, I did. I did get an opportunity to help cast a number of productions, um, and there's something that you just kind of go, "Oh, now I get it." When you when you see it, 
when you're recreating the show, there are certain things that have always gone with that role or that, and it's hard to push out of it. So as soon as mm. you see someone, kind of, yeah, let's try out for this or this, you don't see that person for any other thing because they fall, it's, it's very typecasting. It, it, just, it just happens. It just happens. So the non-traditional casting, it does take a lot of effort and a lot of reimagining. But when there's so much money on the line, sometimes it's harder yeah. to do that. So I, I, was, I was pleased to have that experience to see how typecasting exists and how it comes about. Hmm. But just the, you know, just the, go ahead, Marty. Oh, I want to add on to that. When Don Arden added the black girls to the show, um, I think, as you said, Bill, we pushed the envelope. And not only that, once that starts to happen, a lot of things start to change in Las Vegas. There was a lot of more black dancers coming to Las Vegas. And not only that, then uh, Guys and Girls came. Broadway show, which I got a chance to do, and Jim Sirius, our first Broadway show. And that was an all-black cast. Mm. Oh. And it was amazing. And and the thing that was so far as being amazing was you had Leslie Uggams. You mm. had uh, all these all these black stars that did the, you know, did the lead parts in the show. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. I uh, finished in 80 and I went and did other shows, worked with other producers. And then I ended up back in Reno and Sparks for Greg Thompson. And uh, the first thing I want to do is go take dance class in Reno because I remember that was so great because you had all these wonderful dancers from all over the world that were teaching. And I remember being in class and Thriller or Beat had just come out. And it was almost, it was, I think the class was maybe about half and half black and white. It just felt like I, I just want to be in those kind of environments for dance. Oh, that guy was just in Beat It. That guy was in Thriller. And they were all doing the shows in Reno and doing music videos. I don't know how that ended up. It was probably 84. And I don't know if those things were coming and people could still do the show and music videos were starting to come on the scene. Michael Jackson being the first one, the first black artist that actually got to have a video played on MTV. And then it starts to open because MTV was all white. And it was like um, Duran Duran. And so Michael Jackson changed that. So I think it was looking at 83, taking dance class of people that were performing in the shows and in music videos. And I don't know what that scene, you know, if that momentum kind of fizzled or kept growing, but I just felt like to see, you know, like with Cabby, with ballet and cabaret, like there, there's these multifaceted performers. Are there more opportunities at that time? Because it feels like at the end of the nineties, when, you know, all the shows start to go away for dance opportunities for everybody, you know, where did, what did you guys seek to do after doing the shows? Sherry, did you do high heel sneakers? I didn't do that. I did um, Fall These Go Hollywood in Bermuda, but I've seen that one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I was a Greg Thompson, Jean Ann Ryan, um, okay. Miller Reese. Did them. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, what you start, you start naming I did them. Jean Ryan. I did Narvelle. Narvelle worked with her a lot. Oh, oh did you? I, did you work with? With. Ryan, my God, I started with Jean Ann Ryan. And oh, yeah. I worked for Jean Ann Ryan pretty much right before Hello Hollywood. And oh, really? Started like 83, yeah. 84. And um, then I, I eventually I became one of her production managers or company managers for NCL. I did really? a lot, lot for Jean Ann Ryan. Oh, my gosh. She would have me come back once in a while for like to run auditions. And so she kind of, she likes you, she keeps you around. She'll keep you growing and finding other ways to, if you're going to be too, too old and crank, uh, creaky to be on the stage, she finds ways for people to stay. Ways to, to keep you around. But, yeah. um, but listen, um, on that note, guys, speaking of jobs, I'm going to have to get ready to go, unfortunately. Well, I think that, yeah, Bill, do you want, or Narvel, do you want to have one last little thing you want to say about just even all of us getting to meet together and have a conversation as a, your well, outro? I'll tell you this, Vegas is so different because I live in Vegas now. I have for the last five years and, you know, everything just turned into Cirque du Soleil and nothing, yeah. but you know, the, the, the Vegas as, as we used to know it in the eighties where you could go and see a show for 
$24.99 and, and everybody knew everybody. Everybody could get into everybody else's show and all of that. Mm-hmm. And those days no longer here. Now it's a, you know, it's a car payment to go and see a show, unfortunately. Um, you know, some of the certs have, have closed down, but there still are, you know, quite a few on the strip. We don't see what we used to see. You know, the hot shows, the Frederick Apcar and Ronnie. Yes. Moore. Yeah. Yes. All out, you know, busting out, breaking loose of uh, all that kind of stuff, you know, and I miss hot it. Street. Yes. <sighs> I miss it, guys. I miss finishing a show, finishing a Hello Hollywood, come on guys, we're gonna go see what's his name, you know, or running up to the lake to see something in that. Yeah, yeah but you go really late. Vegas, oh. it's a no end. You wanna see a showgirl in Vegas now, you, you know, now it's basically driving down the strip and you see those girls that throw on bikinis. You're gone, and, Fremont oh, Street. <laughs> oh, oh, those are rough. That's not a showgirl. Like, really, that's, no, that's. No. No, no, well, no. does I think of the time that we were born, like just the fact you know, like to be too short, too tall, you have to be a certain height, just for that period of time, like the eighties and nineties, right. it's just such a unique time for, for dancers. And if you were born too late or too short, right. <laughs> you know, like we, we somehow got in that window. <laughs> so it's so true, you know, so I miss that here. I really miss that here. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it's just, it's just, it's just not the same as it used to be 30 years. Well, I have ago. to add on, Sherry, that Narvell and I have worked, but well, he didn't tell you, we worked two more times. We worked four times together. Narvell is the only performer I've worked with four times. Really? I don't know how many people say that. Like, yeah, because yeah. We, we did it Sun City. We did Hello Hollywood. We went to Greece. I got a job with um, Nick Navarro, and he was, Narvell was our company manager. Oh, wow. He was our company manager with Nick Navarro. And then another cabaret was going on somewhere down the street. They asked me, would I do that after the Greeks concert? I mean, um, contract. I said, sure. And they were like, well, can you find one more guy? We need another- I said, of course. I get Narvell. <laughs> I, like, I just volunteered. I volunteered. And I've been like, yes, he'll do it. Come on. And I went to him. He's like, sure. <laughs> so we did a fourth show together. So yeah, he, he's been my ride and die in, in showbiz more than anybody, more than anybody. Years, yeah. Cool. So Narvel, we're, we're gonna different. let you get to work, and then I'm gonna ask each of you to say whatever you want to say to kind of like, thought you know thoughts that are coming up around this conversation and just the gratitude. I think of just that you guys are still friends, you're still in each other's lives is beautiful. Yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, I, I love today. I really did love today. I mean, I, I love listening. Thank and... you for taking time, Narvell. Thank yes, you. Yes, 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 yes. He flies the friendly skies, y'all. I, I love it. <laughs> it was wonderful meeting you. I, I, I've seen you at, at the reunions, but there everyone, it's like a high school reunion. Everyone's little bits and snatches, so we never got to really meet. It's great to hear your story. Um, and I'm glad yeah. we're part of the same family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Bill, do you have any any last parting thoughts of just kind of think ruminations now that are now coming up to the surface? Well, I, I think what I'm enjoying is something that started 40 years ago for me um, is still, you know, it's bearing fruit. I mean, to Michael and I ended up having a conversation for like an hour and a half, just <laughs> laughing and tittering over so many things I still love. And I don't know if I've ever expressed, you know, I got, I took part in this really awful show uh, that went to Hong Kong and the company I was with, they just hurt my feelings. They made me ashamed to be black. I'll just put it that way. Uh, But it turned out that Marty was in Hong Kong at that time, choreographing for television. And he just sort of swooped in and uplifted me from the, and it was able to provide an experience in Hong Kong that I still now value that one week, two week trip. Uh, and, and so Marty, I don't know if I've ever thanked you for that, but it, it's when I tell my story, that's one of the things. And I, oh you know, and, and also the first time I ever saw you, Marty, was 
we came backstage. It was right before the show. You came flying in. You had to put product in your hair before going on stage. And it was like this Tasmanian devil. And I thought, who is that? What is that would, that would what? be Marty. That would be Marty. And then, you know, I was fortunate to take over a number of your classes that you taught at Stars of Tomorrow. And those people became my family. Uh, and so you paved the way, at least for me, but I think for a lot of people as well. And then I also just wanted to acknowledge, you know, the, I came in with, there were four of us that came in at the same time to replace Marty in the group that went to Jubilee. And unfortunately, I'm the only one that's surviving, that has survived. All of those guys are gone. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are a number of people from our line who are no longer here with us. Yes. And, you know, even the one or two I didn't like, um, I, you know, mm -hmm. I still value the contributions that they made to the experience in my life, so. Oh, yeah, right. that's when it's the other reunion you find how many have passed, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh, Marty, do you have a parting thought to share? Uh, there's so much, I could go on forever. <laughs> but first thing, I'm gonna ask Nardell's question. The book is coming out, it's getting there. You asked about, you know, the history of the show. Yes, I'm Marty, I'm and, and it's called Poetry of a Black Showboy. And so hopefully it'll be out soon. And the biggest thing for me is that the three of you guys is that you're always so lovable, so caring, and I miss that a lot. And also, I miss the ones who are gone. I mm, mean, they, I mean, they were my buddies, you know? Richard Darnell, Robert Walker, Coco. I mean, we spent a lot of hard times together. And the thing about it is that as long as we can keep our strength and our minds straight and focused, I think some other good things are gonna come from all of us. And yeah. I just really miss you guys a lot. Good. Marty, when Thank your you book Marty. comes out, will you let me know and we will put, put it all over Bluebells forever and get that get it in people's vision that where they can find it? Well, I'll help you promote it any way I can. Ooh. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, Sherry. Yeah, I think these stories are really, we're like, write them down. We want to hear them. And I have a stack of books now, so I want Marty's on the top. When it comes <laughs> out. <laughs> Thank you. Marty. So Michael, what was the Mar Michael? You still look look like you're 22. I still what? You look like you're 22 years old. I'm like, how do we work in the show together? I'm, I'm, I'm 25. <laughs> shut up, shut up Narvel. I'm 25. <laughs> math is math is not working. I keep looking at you like, wait, I Narvell, feel like I know you got to get out of there, don't you? Narvel, I, I, I know you got to get out of there. I, I got to get to the airport, like almost. Yeah. Thank, okay. thank you. Bye, Narvel. Thank you. You'll Michael. hear Michael's parting thing when this comes out. Bye, Norvell. Hey, Sherry. <laughs> bye, 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 Bill. Bye-bye. Take bye, care. Mark. Good to talk to you guys. Love you boys always. Mm. Mike. Oh. All right, baby. All right, you too. The good thing about, um, well, Bill, you, I know you had mentioned about um, you and Marty in Hong Kong. Um, Marty actually asked me to choreograph a number for him to take to, well, not for him, but we're there for Janet Saunders and Brian yes. Davis yes. and Laura, yes. some, Laura and, and I don't know who the third girl, it was, it was Brian Davis and three girls. And right. I choreographed right. it for an opening for Hong Kong. And I guess when they got there, they made it the finale. So yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, did you, did you know that part, Marty? They made it the finale. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't know. It was so much going on. They they had some problems here and there. Yeah, but that was fun. Yeah. That was fun. It was fun, though. You yeah. have to admit. <laughs> so, Michael, you were the one that got the guys together for this, and that you know, because sometimes yeah, it's like wrangling cats. It's like, okay, let's get together. So how was this for you? Because I know, you know, reunions are far. I don't know how often you guys see each other, but just I feel honored to just 
take this all in and just see the camaraderie mm-hmm. that you have is really, really wonderful. Yeah, so I just feel like it's like, all brothers. We're, we're, we're literally all brothers. Like Bill was saying, that it. dressing room, when you're in the dressing room, you go through the, all the emotions of, of a family. We, we, we argue, fuss, fight, make up, <laughs> love, laugh, and just be silly and goofy, and then it repeats. Yeah. Argue, <laughs> fuss, fight, love, laugh, goofy, and then it repeats. So that's what families do. That's what guys do. And I think as we did that, instead of going apart, it just made us go like this. It just made us get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And we have that bond now, you know. Absolutely. Like, you know, so yeah. I think I think that was very important to bring up. Um, like I said, I didn't honestly notice it, but after a while, it's like, well, we could have sat in there with them. <laughs> Why were we sitting in there with them? But we didn't. We sat in the other room. But our room was the fun room. Right. Our room I have one little, room. just a little cabby thing. When we were doing a show, there was so much drama because there's a lot of drama in shows. And you either go along with it, but there was drama every day. And Cabby and I were more seasoned. We were older than the rest of the cast. And he just turns to me, goes, I don't need my soaps. I got my daytime drama here. And we would just sit back and watch the drama. And he would always make me laugh. But you know that the drama is part of it, but also how you recover from drama and still get back in and do the show and be a team, you know, because there's that's a lot that can be happening in the dressing room with our, you know, our, our fragile artistic egos and all that. But it really is beautiful when you see it stand at the time that people are still friends and you got the good stories from things not always being super smooth. And yeah, making that show what it was I had for to you. Get, I definitely wanted Narvel with me because like I said, he's, he's, he's my ride and die from Hello Hollywood and, and all that. But I needed Bill and Marty to tell their story because they were before us. And it's all about the history and the knowledge and just what they were saying. Stuff They both hit points that me and our bill never heard of. We never yeah. knew that. You know, a lot of stuff, t- you know, go, you know, a lot of stuff are rumors or you may hear something, but it was good for us as well as for you and the yeah. listening audience to actually hear it from two people that were actually there. That you know, actually lived. Yeah. I will well, say there was one instance in which like when you had to have that talk with Jillian on the re uh, re-choreographing the number, there was one incident that we had where the black line, we had to kind of go, no, we're not going on. Right. right. So was, I don't, <clears throat> so it was before you got there, but the the clowns in the finale, mm-hmm. they used to be upside down clowns. So we uh-huh. were, we were zipped in and the, the feet we held up by sticks. So we were, and so we were basically, basically zipped in to a total costume and we needed a dresser to get out. Well, I mean, that was was all all fine and whatnot, but after the fire at the MGM fire, where you kind of go, a fireball burns, will roll down. And we said, there is not a person alive that's gonna stick around and let's unzip the black guys. Wow. So we said, we are not going on in that costume anymore. So they changed those. They changed the costume and they were pretty expensive costumes, but we were not going to go in those anymore. Wow. I've never heard. But I did hear about the upside down. I did hear about that. Oh, yes. Wow. I never knew what was the outcome of why they weren't happening when we were there. Yes, that was a big, big, big situation. Interesting. Because yeah. it was sort of like there was a fire and I wouldn't stay around to unzip somebody. <laughs> right. So I kind of thought right. so, so that was there were there were times in, you know, I um I was co-captain for most of the time I was there. Um and I never I only said some slight things. I never actually came out and said, Jillian, when we have those um cleanup rehearsals, I don't know if you remember those. Mm -hmm. there were those late night cleanup rehearsals and Jillian would get to put on her dance togs again and whatnot but it was always the um ponies and the black guys we were always the last and it's sort of like why are we still here at three o'clock when everyone else has been able to go home can't you switch this up 
and it was always that stupid serpentine. You know, we need the to. Serpentine. <laughs> Some of the serpentine wasn't. Oh, that's right. That's right. It was oh, the serpentine. And Mickey Hotak was spitting bullets. No, 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 no. You know, but that was Mickey the only Hotak. other time that I felt that we were, whether it was consciously or unconsciously, disrespected. And you spoke up. Mm. Well, no, I didn't to the degree that I could have, should yeah. have. Yeah, yeah, that's like now. No, but but with all that, I do think that at one point, I did. Jillian no longer disliked me. (laughs) (laughs) Did you make your face more happy? Uh, (laughs) I think when when she asked me to be uh, co-captain, that was a changeover. But but I will say, you know, getting to swing in that show. Whatever show I did afterwards, it was easy to pick up mm. and swing there, you know, because you're swinging there. You've got to know when you're w- watching for open floors, curtains coming down, <laughs> herds Death of preps. yeah, herds of uh, women in re- red feathers. <laughs> you know, you can handle anything. So, well, we're going to well, have to right. end here. And I, but if you guys are willing to put on the hats. And do you like a five-minute tea time, or, or do we want to do that a different day? Yeah, because I'm parched right now. I need some tea. I'm parched. Okay, so we're going to say goodbye, and the audience can come back for tea time with, we're not bluebells, tea time with HHH. Well, we're going to say goodbye now. I'm so excited for this episode to come out, and also with Alito back-to-back, of the, the bookends of the generations of Cabaret, um, telling the story of the beginning and the end of the Black Line coming in. And then where can this go from here? Let's not stop imagining like maybe Cabaret can have a new face. Ah, I love you guys. I'm so excited for a reunion. We're going to find a room and I'm just going to sit and listen. So <laughs> we'll come back to this same. We'll come back to the same. Uh-